word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joint and marrow, and discerning every thought and intent of the heart. That's what we've just sung. This word of God, ancient words ever true, making a difference in our lives. And as, as a church, we have the joy of uh, breaking the bread, as we've always done. And once again, let me say, for those who are here for the first time, Karibuni Sana, those who are following the service online, uh, welcome. We are an international church. We have people here from different countries, and we appreciate every person from every nation. That's who we are, and we believe in the God of every nation, reaching out to the nations and bringing the nations to himself. So, Karibuni Sana. I want us to read the Bible, Genesis chapter 33. Um, Pastor Ambrose uh, spoke from Genesis 32 last Sunday. The last two Sundays he's been speaking, and I'm picking it from there. We are now moving to Genesis chapter 33. Remember once again, our focus this month is Jacob, and we are gleaning lessons uh, from Jacob, especially under the theme of empowered thought or empowered thinking. Genesis chapter 33, verse 1 to 10. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two female servants. He was just taking precautions as he was meeting his brother. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph um, in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times. This is uh, an act of honor as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck. It was a bare hug and kissed him. And they wept. Then Esau looked up. And so the women and children, who are, who are this with you? He asked. Then Jacob answered, they are the children God has graciously given your servant. Then the female servants and their children approached and also bowed down. Next Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all came Joseph and Rachel and they too uh, bowed, bowed down. Esau asked, what's the meaning of these flocks and herds I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. No, please, said Jacob, if I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God, now that you have received me favorably. Let's pray. Father in heaven. I want to thank you so much for the power that is in your word. And Lord, even as we partake of this text that I just shared, I'm praying your inspiration. And also, Lord, that I pray by your spirit, you open it up to us. And God, we pray that this word speaks to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We may have our seats. God is good. And all the time... Amen. The title of today's message is Empowered Thinking, Delivering Kingdom Results. Empowered Thinking, Delivering Kingdom uh, Results. Um, I have just read the text. Uh, 
There is a second text I'll be referring to. That is Mark chapter 5, verse 24 to verse 34. And the outline is bold thinking, aligned thinking, activated thinking. Let me come again. Empowered thinking, delivering kingdom results. Bold thinking, aligned thinking, activated thinking. In the text I just read, the kingdom result delivered is reconciliation. And uh, there is a, a man called Jacob and another man called Esau. They were twins. Esau was the firstborn and uh, Jacob was the secondborn. But they were estranged and separated for a period uh, of about 20 years. They hadn't seen each other. And there was a reason that had happened. Um, reconciliation is a kingdom activity and is a, an activity that God has invested heavily in. You know, by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die and be buried and rise on the third day so that me, I may be reconciled to God and I may become a part of the family of God. And therefore, this is an agenda that we need to pursue and we need to have a thinking that drives us to this end. I'm calling it empowered thinking, delivering kingdom results. In Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 23, uh, as I do the introduction, Matthew chapter 5 from verse 23 up to verse 26. I just want to read, it speaks for itself, Matthew chapter 5 from verse 23 to verse 26. As an introduction, Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 to verse 26. Uh, if we are not able to, to put it up, let me look from the hard copy here. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 23 to 26, just to show the efficacy or the importance of reconciliation. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled, uh, be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly uh, with your adversary who is taking you to court. You know, if there was a reconciliation, many of these court cases wouldn't be there. Do it while you are still together on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over uh, to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not um, get out until you have paid the last penny. So reconciliation is a kingdom activity, is a kingdom agenda, and um, we should embrace the thinking that takes us to that destination called reconciliation. Let me say relationships are more important than real estate. Relationships, whether within family within the workplace, um, you know, within nations or among nations, relationships are more important than real estate. And sometimes we spend more time pursuing things and acquisition of things um, at the expense of relationships. Um, Jesus one time said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And soul sometimes replace, uh, you know, representing things that are very, very important. Soul, you know, 
What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own family? You know, what does it profit a man if he goes in that direction? And so we see that reconciliation is a kingdom agenda and God desires us to join Jacob today in looking for his brother Esau and God is inviting us to a bare hug and a kiss and tears of reconciliation and joy as people come together and they are reconciled and they are healed. It brings healing everywhere, all over, in our villages and also in our cities. God breaks the walls of hostility and the walls of, um, of differences. When you read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, God is our peace. That's what the Bible says. And uh, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one. This is reconciliation. Making two groups one, two people one, bringing things together. And uh, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And so the text we have here um, for Jacob, for Jacob, one of the things that stands out about Jacob in his profile is reconciliation with his brother. I don't know what uh, stands out for you, or maybe when people remember you, what they are going to remember. But for Jacob, he may have had many, many problems and many, many issues, but uh, we see in the text that uh, something that shines out of his life is that he sought reconciliation with his brother. And uh, this brother, Esau, uh, finally they connected and they were reconciled. And so it's a text that's a comedy, not a tragedy. Because, you know, it ends very, very well. Of course, before it happens, there's tension, you can feel it, it's palpable. Uh, but along the way, everything is leveled and broken because reconciliation must happen. And um, God is in the business is of bringing things together. You know, reconciliation is even a mathematical word. It's also an accounting, uh, you know, from the, from the world of accounting. I have my son who works in the bank, and he tells me sometimes when they haven't reconciled things, they have worked to work until late, um, until to the last penny, they are able to reconcile everything and reconcile um, the books. And once they have done it, everybody is happy, and hurrah, everybody can actually uh, go home. Living a reconciled life is living a peaceful life. Living an unreconciled life is living a very disturbed life. And I said relationships are, are more important than real estate. And uh, God wants us reconciled with ourselves which is actually the first premise of reconciliation. I must accept myself. I must come to the mirror and say, this is okay. And I am okay as I am. And I thank God for the way he made me. And if you don't enter through that first level reconciliation, you find people do gimmicks and dramatize all over life and start wearing masks, uh, you know, 
and images of others they see on television. And they are not reconciled. They are not happy. They are not well settled within themselves, you know. And so this person cannot carve out a self-identity anywhere they go because they are off balance. They are kind of like off balance, not sure. But then there is reconciliation with God. There is the inner reconciliation and there is the up reconciliation. And this is a very important reconciliation also. When we are not reconciled with God, we can never sit pretty. Never sit pretty. And those people who say there is no God, the psalmist said they are actually fools. And Pastor Victor, I'm sure you'll agree with me that anybody who says there is no God is a fool. I hope I haven't uh, offended anyone. Is anybody offended? I'm looking at faces to see. <laughs> anyone who says there is no God from whichever nation, for whatever background, is actually a fool. What we should pursue is reconciliation with God, not antagonism or fighting or, you know, all those kind of things but coming on the same page uh, with God. And then we find our peace, but also reconciliation with each other, you know, with one another. And so when you come to a service like this and you're not reconciled with your brother or with your sister, there's a sense in which you have dis-ease, lack of ease, um, and the restlessness. And your body actually tends to uh, utilize more energy when we are not reconciled. You find the heart is working harder, the liver is working harder, the pancreas is working harder, the brain is working harder, and even when you try to sleep, you can't sleep, you have this statement over you, restless, because this is a life that is not reconciled. And let me say for Jacob, that is the life he knew when he left his home, and went to his uh, to Laban, uh, his uncle's place, Laban. Laban was the brother to his mother, uh, Jacob's mother, called Rebekah. And uh, there was a connivance and also a conspiracy between um, uh, Rebekah uh, and, and the son, Jacob, that actually turned things, you know, upside down in terms of uh, Esau's destiny. But also now, for Jacob actually to get the blessing from his father. And uh, he therefore walks away from home, not in a good situation, uh, but a situation where he has changed his brother. And, um, and so he goes. And as he is there for about 20 years, he's away. And uh, he has come from the home of Abraham. He has gone to the home of Nahur, who was the brother of Abraham. And out of Nahur came Bethuel. And out of Bethuel came Rebekah and Laban. Rebekah gets married across uh, to Isaac on the Abrahamic side. And Laban remains on this side. And finally, Jacob has to find refuge across to the Nahuru side, which is Abraham's brother. And uh, this is because there is something that uh, he, he has done. And uh, so he is a person in flight. And people who are not reconciled are running from shadows. And uh, therefore, they are always, always restless. So reconciliation is a kingdom word. And it's a, it's a kingdom invitation. And Jacob, therefore, uh, is a type of what Christ would do later, many years ago, working out a work of reconciliation. 
It's a project of reconciliation, but Jesus later would consummate that shadow into reality as he comes to the cross and uh, brings those who are separated, us and God bringing us together. And so I thank God for the bare hug of God because when you get saved, I'm telling you, there is what is called the bare hug of God. I love it when I lead people to Christ because I see it even this week. Uh, I have had the joy of leading people to Christ. It's always such a joyful moment. And some of them have been tearful because in that moment of that kingdom bear hug, you know, kingdom keys, and then the tears of reconciliation between man and God. It is a very, very beautiful picture. And so the picture of Esau and uh, Jacob reminds us reconciliation is possible and uh, Inward reconciliation, upward reconciliation, and outward reconciliation is actually possible. So, um, empowered thinking, delivering this kingdom result, this specific kingdom result, namely reconciliation. Number one is bold thinking. I want to suggest to us today that it is bold thinking. And it is bold because it needs to transcend the mountain of fear. Bold thinking, needing to transcend the mountain of fear. In Genesis chapter 27, verse 41 and four, up to 43, you'll understand why there is a mountain of fear. And that is why reconciliation many times doesn't happen. Because we, there is fear that comes with that assignment. Bold thinking. Genesis 27, verse 41 to verse 43. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, he said to himself, go back again, just, just go back. Yeah, Esau held a grudge against uh, Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. You can see the thought in Esau was that he wanted to kill uh, his brother Jacob. When Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. So he's going to a house of refuge, in a place of refuge, but although he is physically translocated, his inside world is broken and his inside world is full of fear. So we find a person who is looking okay from the outside, but there is turmoil within, you know, and that is Jacob. He has gone to the place of his uh, uncle Laban and it's a nice place, but although it's a nice place, there is turmoil in his life, and he is very, very afraid. Can you imagine living a life for 20 years out there with fear? And he had his own successes. It's possible to live day in, day out, one day, one year, 10 years, 20 years, with success in quotes. You know? Success. Because he actually did prosper in terms of assets. You know, and that's why I say relationships are more than important than real estate, animals, 
Uh, he got a family while there for 14 years. He worked so that he could get two wives, Rachel and Leah, who are sisters, and then another seven years laboring for Laban. He was shortchanged. His salary was changed t- 10 times. It was just a place of struggle. And I can imagine Jacob was never really, really easy. Never, he never sat easy. Eating his meals, he never ate his meals peacefully because there was a matter that needed to be reconciled. There were books that needed to be settled. There are matters that needed to be aligned or, or worked out. So it needs bold thinking. It is this kind of thinking that has the idea, and this month we are talking about ideas also, at the center of this thinking is the idea, the impossible is possible. Now, this is bold thinking. The impossible is possible. It is thinking that is willing to take a risk, thinking that is confident, thinking that is daring, thinking that is courageous, uh, thinking that is willing to pay the price, it is bold thinking. Reconciliation requires a thought, an idea. Reconciliation requires boldness, bold thinking, where you say, I know this will happen. It is 20 years, we haven't talked. I took his blessing. I know he's so angry, that's the reality, angry with me, but... I will now take a step towards reconciliation. The Bible says, as a man or woman thinketh, so is he. Your thought process is taking you to a destination. Either it is a destination upwards to victory, to a testimony and to a breakthrough, or downwards to to despondency, uh, to anger, to disappointment, in that direction. The thought processes either take you down, depressive, or actually take you up. But for I thank God for this bold thinking uh, by Jacob because it is taking him to the mountain of reconciliation, and very soon Jacob will have a testimony, and he'll have a breakthrough that me and my brother are now reconciled after 20 years of separation. He's soon going to carry a testimony in his pocket. And this will be known by neighbors that something has happened. It starts with bold thinking that transcends those, you know, primary fears. What will he do? He's the one who offended me. Or, you know, all those discussions and rationalization that brings paralysis. And uh, you find that this kind of activity is not actually happening. I know there are families here. Uh, where the whole thing of disagreements, some of them have 30 years in standing, five years in standing, 20, like this one here, in standing, one of them won, and there are people who went and went like Jacob, and they said, I'll never come back. I am never coming back this direction. They went one way, never coming this other way. But we can take a lesson here. It takes bold um, thinking. And this is thinking that can only be given by the Holy Spirit. And it is thinking that transcends the mountain of fear. You know, if you remain uh, where you are, you'll be more disturbed than the other person on the other side. But it is good 
when today you pick up an idea and you say, I wish to deal with this matter, I shall confront my fears, and I will now start taking steps from Laban's house where I found false refuge and where I have struggled for 20 years and I have been restless walking with false peace, what they call Pax Romana. You know, it is false peace. It appears on the surface, but the underside is wasting away. Staying there and enjoying the trappings of that place. But inside you know this thing is eating you up. Bold thinking rises above and transcends above the thoughts of fear that keep saying, if I try, if I do, this will happen, the other one will happen. And today we can pray that we embrace this kind of bold thinking. There is a lady who found her healing because of bold thinking. In Mark chapter uh, 5, verse 27, this lady, uh, you know, she overcame the mountain of fear. And because of that, she was able to get her healing. In verse 27, it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now look at this. Because she thought this kind of thinking. If I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, uh, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body. This is what reconciliation does. It brings healing. And you feel it everywhere. She felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And Jesus realized immediately that power had gone out of him and it had gone into this uh, woman. And this woman experienced healing. There is reconciling power. It will flow through channels that are bold thinkers. And the ones who are ready to be courageous and very daring will be surprised how much power of God, the kingdom of God, is available for reconciliation. But this power is not fully utilized. And oftentimes it is not. And God is saying we can bridge those gaps and it is possible. It doesn't matter how big the gap is. Think about Jacob and Esau. It was such a big, big gap and a big, um, a big problem. But bold thinking helps you see beyond um, the fears and begin to see your brother. Begin to see your brother. Uh, uh, the relationship therefore becomes very important. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. The second thing is aligned thinking. This empowered thinking that delivers kingdom results is aligned thinking. And therefore, it transcends error. You know, it's aligned thinking. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, and we have quoted this verse here severally, the Bible says God's ways, uh, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. God's ways are not our ways, for the thoughts, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are you, uh, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish uh, what I desire, and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Aligned thinking. Now, this is renewed thinking. 
When you read Romans 12, verse 2, the Bible says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal, um, yes, by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Sometimes we are socialized and cultured in our thought processes by what we hear from our people or from our culture. But I want to say there is a God who speaks and his word is constant. And he is saying, be reconciled. And it is a command. You know, we listen to friends and we gossip and uh, all these people make us comfortable, not in the place where God wants us to be but in the place where uh, we, we need not be. Yeah, reconciled giving, uh, you know, reconciled thinking. And at the center of reconciled thinking is the truth of the word of God. Anytime we are outside the word of God or the truth of the word of God, we are in error. It doesn't matter how okay that looks, we are in error. And I know we've been discussing many things vis-a-vis -vis the word of God. God's word never changes, you know, and God is not about to compromise from his end. What he has said, he has said. And so Jacob knows that God said he will go back home. And Jacob now needs to reconcile his thinking to what God actually said. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Uh, and following, I'll read a number of verses there from verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream. And you know, these things follow you even when you are sleeping. Because God is trying to bring us to a place of reconciliation. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its um, top reaching to heaven and the angels of God ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back. Listen, it says, I will bring you back. And I will bring you back. That is the word. I will bring you back to this land. I will never not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it, uh, on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz or Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house and of all that you 
you give me, I will give a tenth. So there, there is the word of God inside Jacob, even when he's on the run, when he's outside there, the word of God is recalibrating him to where to, to get reconciled with his brother, to get back home. And that's why we need to spend time in the word of God. When we are in the place where we don't need to be, then God's word keeps speaking and highlighting and bringing light uh, so that we go back where we need to be. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I spend time in the word of God. I memorize scripture because I know very, very well that the thing that will bring reconciliation is meditation on the word of God. So aligned thinking is thinking that is recalibrated by the word of God. It is thinking that is renewed by the word of God. The world has all kinds of thinking on how to solve issues and how to solve problems. But God is saying to Jacob, you are on the run, but you need to get back to where you came from. And that word works in him. The word of God is discipling him. And this is the word that is bringing him to the mountain of reconciliation. Transcending error. Error is where we listen to all these things that are said that are not the truth of, of the word of God. How can you live above the lies of this world? The only way you can live above the lies of this world is to have God's word. In Joshua 1, verse 7 and 8, uh, Joshua chapter 1, uh, verse, let me start from verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it uh, from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Now listen to this one. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and you'll be successful. So I believe that um, Jacob meditated on the word of God, even when he was out there. And this word was aligning him to come to the mountain of reconciliation. Um, I got reconciled with my father after quite a period of antagonism that even led me away from home for about seven years. And just like um, Esau desired to kill his brother, I was so upset. One of my dreams was to kill my father and to avenge my mother. And because when I was growing up and small, there was so much uh, violence in the home and I would feel very helpless every time there was a fight in that home. And things got so bad. One day, my father cut my mother's finger in my presence and blood jumped out. You know, something entered me and I got so angry. But you know, I was small. I was small. Imagine you're feeling helpless. You're seeing your mother, you're seeing blood coming like, a, you know, from a cut finger. In fact, she remained with a fraction of a finger all her life. And I was there and I saw this blood and I just could not do a thing. And you know, that experience put a seed of anger in me and eventually had to uh, take off. But thank God, eventually there was a reconciliation. What brought the reconciliation? I gave my life to Jesus and then started spending time in the word of God. 
And as I got discipled by the word of God, giving me the character of Jesus Christ, and hearing Jesus saying, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And, and then Stephen, when he was stoned, he used the same words. They stoned him, and as I was stoned, they were saying, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And I took up a mission of reconciliation. I think I've told the story here. Some of you may remember how I went to Lululi Avenue. I bought a suit, because they're more or less the same size, and a shirt and a pair of shoes, and I looked for him. That is years later, and found him. And where he was seated, because it was a sitting room, I came in through the door, and he was seated right there. He must have wondered what is going to happen next. Because <laughs> he's sitting, I'm standing, and I've just come through the door. But what I did, my gift went before me. And I said, Dad, I'm here, and this is for you. So he stood up, he took the suit, the shirt, everything. And you know, he looked at me, I looked at him, and for the first time, my father said, you are my son, because he used to say, I'm not his son. You are my son. And then he said a second thing, I love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And that's why I'm passionate about young people. And I thank God for young people. And I know young people go through a lot. And even children. Some have never known a father's love. They have never had a father's hug. We hugged each other and the rest is history. Actually, many good things now followed through there. And one time, I, took, I got him into my car. We drove all the way to Eldoret. And we were going to a place called Wandeti just before Webuye. And uh, we enjoyed our cuckoo and everything with him. We had a very good time with my father. And during that time, we had a nice chat. And the Lord turned his life around. The drive from here to Luandeti, we stayed overnight. And then we came back this way. And during that trip, we had an amazing encounter of reconciliation. What is able to change a man from a place of anger and bitterness to a place of healing and reconciliation to a place where they are, they are seeking kingdom things to do, to be partakers of the kingdom and begin to bring people together. What would change a man from one who wants to kill to one who is on a mission to heal? I suggest to us it's aligned thinking. And this thinking is thinking that's centered around the word of God. And I pray that we would spend more time in God's word and look at situations from the perspective of what God says. But finally, of course, activated thinking. This is thinking that transcends apathy, the mountain of apathy, transcending the mountain of apathy, which is indifference. Because we know what we need to do, but oftentimes either we procrastinate or we delay or we hope it to be done somehow by somebody somewhere. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Activated thinking is a kind of thinking that says it's me uh, who is going to do it. And I am going to do it now. Uh, it is not tomorrow. The breakthrough is as near as your action. You know, it's waiting your activity. The solution is very close. You're just about to be broke. The grip of bitterness and resentment is about to be broken free from you. And it's just an action away. So transcending apathy and delaying the action. 
just simply makes the, this thing to remain there, the difference to remain there. So in Genesis 33, uh, finally, verse 1 to 4, it says, Jacob looked up and there was Esau. I pray that you look up and there is your brother, there is your sister, there is your wife, there is your child, there is your mother, there is your father. Jacob looks up. Why? Because he has done all the work, the activation. He has come from far and he has figured his way out. That's why he is looking up and here is east. So the distance has actually collapsed. Coming with his 400 men. So he divided children, Leah, Rachel, two female servants. He put the female servants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet him. This is, a, this is the climax of my message today. But Esau, I like this picture. You can see Esau running. But Esau ran to meet Jacob. I'm seeing people running to reconcile. Hallelujah. I'm seeing this picture. But Esau ran. As I say this, maybe somebody even went to diaspora. You left Kenya. You're in the U.S., U.K., Australia, out there. Because there was a difference here at home. And you went very, very, very far. I am seeing a picture of reconciliation. The distance collapsing and people just coming closer and closer. Esau running to meet Jacob and embraced him. And he threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. And they wept. Quite a number of activities right there. There is running. There is embracing. There is kissing. There is weeping. Reconciliation is powerful. It is powerful. Reconciliation. And that's what God wants. In fact, the primary agenda of the church, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, the primary agenda of the church is that word. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry God has given us is the ministry of reconciliation, bringing nations to God. Bringing nations to one another. Bringing people to a place where they can accept themselves and have self-reconciliation. That is the primary mission. And so the picture, verse 4, Genesis chapter 33, captures or sums up really my message. That eventually, that which was in the mind has actually become a testimony. It has become a manifestation. It has become a breakthrough. And my prayer is that God will give us so many testimonies in this nation and across Africa of reconciliation. People who can't talk need to be start talking to one another. Those who have been in this place, others are in the other place, and they're saying, no, I can't make the first move. The other one is saying, I'm not making the first move. Let's see who makes the first move. I want to say, I make the first move. Hallelujah. And I pray you become the one who makes the first move. Jacob makes that move, and the distance collapses. His fears are transcended. The error is broken, and the apathy right now is also uh, completely lost or finished because he's there physically with his brother, and there is a bear hug. 
I don't know how many people who like hugs. There are some people who may not. Like, I had a problem with hugs for a long time because I grew up in a place where there were no hugs. And even when I started ministry, when we were in the other church, uh, Ojijo Road, um, Dr. John, you know, I, I would be, they would say, they would call me brother, brother Simon. You know, don't approach him. They interpreted it as holiness. No, it is the way I grew up. <laughs> I did not like hugs. I mean, it, it felt very strange. I did not grow up in a huggiest family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And my prayer is this, empowered thinking produces this kind of kingdom result. Is that once we go out, may God lead us to the places where we can bring healing through reconciliation. It is the highest calling. It is the highest expectation. And therefore, all the middle walls of partition must be broken. And every mountain transcended so that Jacob and Esau can share a space of like three feet by, I mean, they're in the same space. Yeah, Di Conchalo. It's the same space. Not two rooms, but the same space. So Jacob and Esau can actually share the same space. This is my prayer, that this picture will be replicated. Genesis 33 verse 4 shall be replicated after this service in our homes, in our workplaces, in the marketplace, in the nation Kenya, and across Africa, and around the world. This is my prayer for Kenya. That there will be reconciliation. And brother will hug brother. Brother will kiss brother. But not the other one. I just, uh, when I was saying that, I just thought about that one. <laughs> JJ, I'm just correcting. <laughs> Pastor Kiniti. Yes, you understand what I mean? Yes, so. <laughs> and there will be tears of joy. May the tears of the joy of reconciliation flow. May the bare hug of reconciliation happen. Hallelujah. The prodigal son. He had walked away, offended his father. Luke chapter 15. But then the Bible says when he came to his senses, this is the kind of thinking I'm talking about. When he came to his senses and he had this reconciliation thought, this prodigal son remembered his father, remembered the servants in that house and what they were eating, but then he saw his situation. It had become dire. And some of this downward spiral in life Happen slowly. You don't even know it. Then you're eating with pigs. All of a sudden you realize, actually, I'm surrounded by pigs. I'm eating pigs' food. How did I ever get here? You know, it's a progression downwards. But then through the thinking, he remembers his father's house. And then he said, I will arise and go back to my father. And he activated. And he walked. Clothes torn, very beaten malnutrition and everything and then he came and the father saw him from afar and the father came and he actually kissed him and embraced him and then he said quick a number of quick things were done let me tell you there are quick things God wants to do hallelujah quick 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 bring the rope bring the shoe bring the ring 
Now the fattened calf, the one we've been keeping quickly, you guys will know how to slaughter. <laughs> because something has happened here. My son was lost, but now he is found. A picture of reconciliation. God breaks the middle wall of partition and he makes the two one. And so this month of empowered thinking, one of the kingdom agendas we need to ask happen among us is reconciliation. And the picture of Jacob and Esau is one we must take home. Let's discuss with our children. Let us, let us replay it. Uh, let's think about it ourselves as individuals. And may God lead us to the place where we can do that which Jacob did for someone who has been estranged from us for a very long, long time. Uh, it doesn't matter what difference that is. God is able to totally resolve it. I preached at Brackenhurst, Clark's Chapel one time, a message on forgiveness and reconciliation. And you know, when I made an altar call, people came. Many people came. Now, when I was praying, one of the people said, you know, pastor, I am here because of you. Can you imagine you are praying for many people? So one of them says, I am here because of you. <laughs> I, I looked around, did anybody else hear? And then I said, what do you mean? You offended me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I have answered your altar call. You offended me. So after everything, we went to a place and we started talking. Now, this brother, he's now a pastor, by the way. I conducted his wedding. And what happened is that I was late. I was late, very late for his wedding. And there were reasons, but he didn't want to hear about reasons. He got so angry from that day. And for quite a period, Kumbe, he kept this anger. Until I preached, I made an invitation, and he said, this is my chance. And he came. He said, I am here because of you. You offended me. And we settled the matter, and I thank God. We are good friends. <laughs> we are very, very good friends. So there are matters that need to be reconciled, and the first level is not money, reconciling your goods, your animals, your houses, and many other things. It's relationships that need to be reconciled. Did you know that if relationships are sorted out, many sicknesses would go? There will be floods of healing that would flow. And God is saying, I want to heal you. I want you to actually go out and be reconciled. Let's all stand up and pray. My Father and my God, I thank you for the Jacob action that we have looked at in Genesis chapter 33. And I thank you for what that action portends for us and the opportunity it grants us in the mirror of the word of God to do the same thing Jacob did. Despite the fact that the difference with his brother was a big one, he took his brother's birthright and he also took his brother's blessing. And despite the fact that it had taken 20 years, Jacob takes that action. Empowered thinkers deliver kingdom results. And I thank you that Jacob delivered a kingdom result in his time. A result that pleased you, pleased many people who saw it. A result that brought families together, brought healing and brought laughter. And today, my God, as we have considered this matter, 
we stand before you. You have told us in Matthew chapter 5 that I read earlier, if you come to give your offering at the altar, and remember you have an issue with your brother or your sister, leave that offering there. First of all, go back and be reconciled to your brother and your sister. Then you can come back and worship and sacrifice. My God, we are the Jacobs of today. And Lord, we pray that you lead us by the power of the Holy Spirit to those places where reconciliation is to, to happen. Either as agents of reconciliation, triggering reconciliation, or ourselves reconciling with people in family and outside family. My prayer today, as I've raised the altar of reconciliation and I've commissioned reconciliation, not just here, but in Kenya and in Africa and around the world, my prayer is that all of us who live here shall carry this message of reconciliation and that God we shall find healing as we minister reconciliation. And so, Father, thank you as we leave this place to carry out this mission that Jacob carried out during that time. And we pray for a soul's soften their hearts. That God, by the time we get there, they come running. And Lord, there's going to be an embrace, a kissing, and a shedding of tears, but tears of reconciliation. My Father, thank you as I bless this mission of reconciliation as we leave this sanctuary today. And therefore, my God, and we can lift our hands now, I pray because of what accrues in our accounts on the basis of the reconciliation through your son, Jesus Christ. And he paid a heavy price. He shed his blood. He was buried. He rose from the dead. And because of that, what is in your storehouses then becomes ours. And I thank you for what is in store for your people. God, I sense it's something beautiful. It's something good. Pastor Ambrose prophesied and spoke last Sunday and the other Sunday about marching into our miracles. And God, these storehouses today, I command them open right now. Because God, that which is there belongs to us. Jesus makes that possible. And I pray that they be open right now. And that God puts on your path. This week and the next week and the days ahead. That which you have waited for for a long time. And God is telling me to say that it's going to be easy. You're just going to walk into it and it shall surprise you. God is saying, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And therefore, Lord, I don't know what blessing, specific blessing your people need, but I pray every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And as you lift your hands to God, you know the blessing you need. God is saying, I've opened the storehouses. I've opened the heavens. Angels are descending and they are lining up what God has in store for you along your path. If in your heart you can just mention it, probably to this afternoon, maybe tomorrow, Maybe this week. It doesn't matter how big it sounds. That is sounding big to you. But to our God, it is not big. God is able to make it happen. And therefore, Lord, I thank you because I release the blessings of the storehouses of the kingdom of God. And God, I know that these coming days are going to be lined up with blessing after blessing. May this blessing define us. 
May this blessing protect our borders. May this blessing expand our boundaries. May this blessing keep us strong. May this blessing heal us. May this blessing open doors for us. May this blessing renew our strength. And so I declare to this congregation and those online that you are blessed beyond anything the devil ever knew or ever can reach. You are blessed through and through. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And we all say? We all say? Let's give a hand to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Have a reconciled week.